This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 116 of Go To Grandma. I'm your go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth, and this episode is airing on October the 28th, 2023. You might say my two guests this week helped to put the broad in broadcasting, and I don't think they'd mind me saying that. Erin Davis is making her third appearance on GoTo Grandma, and I'm thrilled about it. I mean, I'm not going to get a tattoo to mark the occasion or anything like that, but I am going to find out from Erin why she recently got inked and why it was eight years in the making. Her two grandkids call her Grandma Banana. I feel like Grandma Banana Gets a Tattoo is a children's book waiting to be written. Then making her debut on the show today is Erin's podcasting partner, Lisa Brandt. Lisa is also a broadcasting professional, as well as an author and honorary grandma. She's combining all of those talents today to talk about her newest book, Trade Up, which I would suggest is a great guide for encouraging our grandchildren to consider going into the trades. Yes, especially in today's economy. Why are these two on together? Well, because I like them and because their podcast, Gracefully and Frankly, is not only one of my favorites, but the favorite of hundreds of thousands, judging by their downloads. They'll talk about how that came about while they carry on a conversation while living across the country from each other and why we love to listen to their smart and authentic conversations about the world we live in and sometimes even the bras we wear. Then there's a lot of talk about how artificial intelligence is changing the way the world works. There's lots to think about, and the financial world is no different. On our Take 5 with RBC interview, I ask about how artificial intelligence can help us manage our personal finances. So, as you can see, the usual facts and funny here on today's Go-To Grandma. Get your coffee, adjust that bra, and sit back to learn and laugh. Lisa Brandt kicks things off next. I'm Kathy Buckworth. Former radio host Lisa Brandt is now a podcaster, voiceover professional, and a six-time published author. If she had to do it all over again, Lisa might have chosen to become a welder or a cabinet maker. Today, she's speaking with me about her latest book, Trade Up, Why Buy a Job When You Can Start a Career. Good morning, Lisa. Thanks so much for being on Go-To Grandma this morning. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Kathy. I am holding your latest book in my hot little hands. It's called Trade Up, Why Buy a Job When You Can Start a Career, which you co-authored with John Finnan. When I read some of the stats in the front, like by 2025, one in five jobs will be in trades, and over 700,000 skilled tradespeople in total are expected to retire by 2028. I kind of get where you got the inspiration for this book, but how did it actually come up, Lisa? Well, it's actually John's idea, and I was the fingers on the keyboard, he is in a a position where he hires people in the skilled trades, and it's been very difficult. And there aren't as many people going into it. There are a lot of reasons for it. I mean, it's getting better, but there's historical you know, biases against the trades, all sorts of different things. And he wanted to get the message out there, and so did I, uh, having nephews and others in skilled trades, that you can make really good money, you can write your own ticket, you can do whatever it is you want to do in the future, and you're not saddled with a huge student debt. And it's not anti-university, it's just doing it a different way, like maybe going to university later, paying as you go, whatever it is, however it is you want to do it, but just making some money right from the get-go. Because I don't know that everyone realizes when you apprentice, 
you're paid to be an apprentice, so you're making money right from the start. And it's just a different way of looking at a career down the road. And a great message to pass on to our kids and grandkids, and, and especially that huge part of the market that doesn't even engage in the trades, which is women, right? Absolutely. And I personally know a woman who recently became a carpenter, another one who became a welder. They are loving their lives. They used to have these typical nine to five jobs. They're loving getting out there and working with their hands and meeting different people every day and acquiring this skill that when they get to the job, they're the specialist at it. And it's really kind of cool. So it's not becoming... I mean, it's still not regular to always see a woman on the job, Mm -hmm. but it's becoming more and more appealing to women, and they're seeing that there's a great future. I am a faithful listener to your podcast with Aaron Davis, of course, gracefully and frankly, and that's where I heard you speak about this book, and you related a story. I think it's your little sister's uh, uh, 10-year-old, your grandma Lisa, to this little guy, and you talked about where he could be happy at work. Do you want to share that story? Yeah, there was a survey that came out. It was actually in the States, but it kind of translated here. They looked at at all the industries. It was an HR firm, and they did surveys of people and found that everyone pretty much is unhappy at work, but the least unhappy were people in construction. And so my 10-year-old honorary grandson, Riker, is obsessed with construction. (laughs) He's obsessed with the tools and with Mm -hmm. the machinery and everything. And he just is determined that's what he wants to do. And, you know, his parents are saying, well, that may change, but if it doesn't, that's perfectly cool. So I was trying to tell him, you know, you will be the least unhappy by doing that. And he's kind of looking at me like, all I want to do is run a crane. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care about this. Amazing. Right? He's 10. Well, I don't want to brag, but my two and a half year old grandson, Cam, can name every piece of construction equipment. (laughs) When I say, is that a digger? He goes, Grandma, that's a front end loader. Okay. Okay. Stand corrected. (laughs) Um, But of course, there's all types of different trades. We're not just talking about construction or being an electrician or a plumber. There's all kinds of trades like in the beauty industry, in fashion, and all kinds of different things too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, being a a hairstylist is is a skilled trade. Uh, There's tons of different things. There's hundreds of them. And, you know, we get our facts and figures from the latest material from the Ontario government. And even hairstylists, there can be a lack of them in certain Mm -hmm. cities and markets. So, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of widespread, this whole availability of skilled trades to people these days. So given all that, Lisa, why do you think it is that some people just don't get about skilled trades? Well, it's funny. I actually have one of the characters in Trade Up because it's fiction, Mm -hmm. sort of like a wealthy barber-ish type of look at skilled trades. I have one of the characters uh, mention something I saw on television. I was watching TV and saw a character say, oh, you know, I did so poorly in school. They were going to send me to trade school. And I went, oh. And it's partly that kind of perception, like, okay, if your toilet isn't working, the plumber is the most important person in your world. But when they're not here, how do you think about plumbing? Right. How would you think if your kids said, you know what, I don't want to go into medicine like you always wanted me to. I want to be an electrician. I want to wire wind turbines. I want to, I want to be part of the greening of electricity, whatever it is. So it's, some of it's that perception, like you're going to university, no matter what, we've worked hard for this. And for kids, and we deal with this in the book, there are some tough conversations kids have with their parents about their perceptions of what they want them to do. So it's partly that uh, universities have done an amazing job of making themselves the pinnacle mm-hmm. of, you know, what, and there's, 
again, as I say, that we are totally, you know, John, my, my partner in this, has a university degree. We're, we're totally into that. But yeah. Just going about it without getting saddled with debt. You know, he accumulated a bunch of rental properties and stuff because he didn't have all that debt to pay off. Yeah, and it's a great perspective, have you said. I mean, I certainly grew up with the expectation I'd go to university and sort of pass that on to my four kids as well, but one didn't. I mean, that's perfectly fine, but it took me a bit to get over it, I'll be honest. Yeah, it is, and I totally understand it because we have dreams for our kids, dreams that they will surpass what we've done, dreams that things will be more open for them, but it comes down to, as well, what kind of what kind of kid they are. You know, some, I mean... My husband says he had it to do over again. He would do something with his hands, something mechanical. And, you know, that just wasn't where his family's brain was at at the time. And I get that. Um, so we're just trying to shift it a little bit and just have people be a little more accepting of, of different options. I think it's awesome. And like I said, it's certainly a conversation I hope that I can have with my grandkids. Once they're past the age of three, maybe, which is where they are right now, but right. as they get as they get older. <laughs> and as I mentioned off the top, Lisa, listen to your podcast, Grace and frankly, that you do with Aaron Davis, who's been on this show a couple of times. Tell me a little bit about that show for those people who've been under a rock and have not heard of your podcast. (laughs) Well, Aaron and I, we have, I mean, we've been friends for decades and, and we have these conversations where so many times afterwards we'd say, oh, it, you know, it's too bad we're not having this with other women because it's funny and we just, we have no filters. We will tell each other everything, even if it's embarrassing. And it took, we talked about doing a podcast together for months until one day she hit upon the title gracefully and frankly, sort of a riff on Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what really solidified it for us. You know, she's a little more graceful. I'm a little more frank. <laughs> and that's just sort of what did it. We thought, well, we'll just put it out there and see what happens. Envy Pillow came along and sponsored mm-hmm. us right out of the gate. And it was just basically let it fly and see if people like it. We are so grateful that they do, including you. Yes. We appreciate your support. It's a great podcast, and I encourage everyone to go and find it. And also, if we want to find Lisa, we can go to voiceoflisabrandt.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-T. And you're also on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. And, of course, the book is called Trade Up, Why Buy a Job When You Can Start a Career. And you're right. I do like the format. It's written in sort of that Wealthy Barber storytelling format. Very easy to read, but the messages come across. Thank you so much for joining joining me today, Lisa. Oh, thank you, Kathy. I really appreciate your time. Thanks. Aaron Davis is a longtime Toronto Morning Radio host and inductee into the Canadian Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Since leaving the city in 2016, she has written a best-selling book on coping with the loss of her only child called Morning Has Broken, Love, Loss, and Reclaiming Joy. She is also the host of three podcasts, including Gracefully and Frankly and Drift with Aaron Davis Sleep Stories. She's a grandmother of two, wife of one, and is always looking for the next project. Good morning, Erin Davis. Thanks so much for coming back on GoTo Grandma. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me, Kathy. No problem, Grandma Banana. I still love that title. So (laughs) (laughs) So if I had met Erin Davis 10 years ago and and said, nice tat, nice tattoo, Erin, what would you have said? (laughs) Uh, I would have said, oh, this thing, I just stuck it on to see what it looked like. It's just a peel and remove thing. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. I'll never get a real tattoo, right? That'll never happen. Ah, that's right. Let's flash yeah. forward now. You said it was eight years in the meeting. What's, what do we see on your forearm, forearm now, Erin? 
Well, let me describe it to you. It is an infinity sign, but it's very shaded. And uh, inside the infinity sign, if you do it wrist to elbow, but it doesn't go that far, it's about four inches or 10 centimeters. Inside, lying on long edge, is a feather. And it's gently colored in purple and uh, sort of an aqua. And then on one of the bottom loops of the infinity sign is written in cursive, Lauren. So that kind of describes it, and there's various bits of shadowing and shading and stuff. It's, I hope, subtle, and most of all, it's beautiful to look at. And, of course, Lauren is the name of your daughter who passed away, and this is such a lovely tribute to her. Of course, your book was a lovely tribute as well. Why now, Erin? Why eight years later? Well, that is a good question, and I've been thinking about it for years and for the longest time. When you go through a a significant trauma in your life, um, there are so many ways to react to it, and none of them are wrong unless Mm -hmm. you're doing harm. But my reaction was I, I just felt I was so changed, I needed to reflect that on the outside. And so I didn't do anything. I didn't shave my eyebrows or peroxide my hair. Well, no more than usual. I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, stop it. And uh, uh, so I was thinking, well, would I like a tattoo? And how would it feel looking at it? Because Mm -hmm. it is a constant reminder. You look down and go, oh, yeah, she's gone. But you get to the point where you know that that's on your heart anyway. And so I just decided, well, you know what, I want something that sort of signifies forever, the infinity. It looks like an eight. As it turns out, that was a total coincidence because it's been eight years Mm. now since she passed. And eight is a number that just surrounds me everywhere in my life. It, It always has. And the feather early on and always can signify loved ones getting in touch because it's the easiest thing to move. If if those who believe in these things believe in that, you know, dimes Mm -hmm. and feathers. And so it just sort of evolved from there. But a tattoo, as you may or may not know, because I want to know your story, Kathy. I'm going to turn the tables here in a second. <laughs> and I know your audience and your producer, Kelly, want to know where are your tats, girl. Okay. <laughs> and as time went on, I just kind of decided that, yeah, it, it was time. And sort of the, the feeling, the, the zeitgeist around tattoos has changed so much. Mm. <laughs> it's not just sailors and convicts. Women. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's everybody. Okay, here's my tattoo story, since you asked. Oh. I don't have any. Yeah. Don't have any. Oh. I know, well, and it's funny. That. When I say that, people are like, oh, virgin skin. That's right. So I don't yeah. I don't have any. And I'll tell you, I'm not inclined to get one right now. Of course, never say never. I'm not, I'm not inclined right now. And in fact, this is my little dirty secret. Um, I was so worried that my four children would one day get a tattoo that they would regret, you know, at 16, run out and get something, that I actually, I have two kids that are, one's 32 and one's 30, the others are under 30. When they turned 30, I gave them $1,000 if they didn't have a tattoo. (laughs) That's fantastic. And honestly, my oldest daughter, who's 32, she's like, she's the mother of the three grandkids. She's like, I was never going to get one anyway, mom, so thanks. And then my son, who's 30, I'm pretty sure took that thousand bucks out and got a tattoo. So, you know. Ah! And the other two are saying, yeah, we're going to take the thousand bucks and get a tattoo. And my youngest son, he's 21, is, you know, arguing for cost of living increases and everything like that. But right. so that's my secret. So I'm not a tattoo person, but I 100 percent respect and admire what you've done in, in this uh, for Lauren. But are you going to get more? Is this the start of a sleeve, Aaron? Oh, no, 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 not a sleeve. No. And I, I love that. People want to do the artwork. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Fill your boots um, or your arms. But for me, it might be, I don't know if I can stop now, but that's just the way I am with everything. 
but I will, and anything I do will be complimentary mm-hmm. to it or significant or may not even show. But really, honestly, the only thing I regret, and <laughs> you don't want to regret anything with a tattoo, but the only thing I regret, Kathy, is it wasn't the n- until the next day when I thought, why didn't I get it in her handwriting? Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know people have got yeah. their get kids' handwriting on, on them for sure. Yeah. Exactly. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I really feel for now like this might be my one and done. But, hey, it's like facelifts. You never get just one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you could get a banana, but that could go wrong. That wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> no. Have you inspired Rob to get one? Well, he's much more uh, pain averse. Ah. And he's not completely, but no, I, I don't think he wants to, really. And again, it's it's the physical pain, but mm-hmm. it's also the constant reminder. He wears a little gold peanut on a chain around Aww. his neck. And we've had that since she was a baby. Lauren was a baby, and her nickname was Peanutty mm-hmm. and Peanut. So I had a gold one made for him, and he wears that every day. So except for making a strange little lump when he's wearing a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. he wears her as well. So we all do grief and memory differently. And as we know, there's no wrong way. Nope. And if we want to see a picture of your tattoo, Erin, where can we go to look at that? ErinDavis.com. Mm-hmm, it's beautiful. I've seen it. And uh, it's in a blog that I did on September 11th. So it's coming up on two months now since I, I wrote that. But you just scroll down and there's pictures of the in the midst and mm-hmm. afterwards and stuff. And I really, truly love it. Find someone that is highly, highly, highly recommended when you're going yeah. to do this. Yeah. And is good at what you want because different artists have different specialties. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going to ask you for tips on getting uh, tattoos for first timers. Those are great. I wouldn't have thought of that. Thank you. Yeah. I took pain relievers in advance. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I needed them or not, but yeah, it was lovely. He was lovely. And yeah, it was it was a good experience. Well, as you know, you are on the same episode with someone you might know called Lisa Brandt. And, yeah. I, and I've already chatted with Lisa and she gave me the lowdown on Gracefully and Frankly. Tell me, you know, she told me what inspired her to do the podcast with you. What sort of what was your motivating uh, factor to get that on the air? Oh, man. Well, as you know, once you're in radio, you're always sparking these ideas, whether you're in the shower or you're waking up or you're watching TV. And you just you want so much to have an outlet for them. And Lisa and I are born 10 days apart, maybe 12. I always forget. And we're just like sisters from a different mister. And unfortunately, we kind of sound alike. And that's the only criticism we get from people is, I couldn't tell you two apart, so we name-check each other a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of the old radio programming thing. Well, that's why you can't have two women on the radio together. They sound alike. Oh, shut up. <laughs> but anyway, but we come from two completely different places. You know, if, if she's Lily Tomlin, I'm Jane Fonda. And sometimes, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I so do. It, it makes for an interesting dynamic, but we are so often in lockstep, too, so... Mostly, we're queenagers talking about things that, you know, women don't get heard talking about unless you're sitting at a coffee shop and you just happen to overhear 
two women sitting next to you and uh, just, you know, having a great conversation. That's what we do and we aim to do. I love it. And you know, I'm a loyal listener. I loved your bra talk, by the way. That was the best. And if anybody ah. else wants to listen in, that was the frankly part of the show, pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if anybody else wants to listen, of course, they can go to Gracefully and Frankly, find that podcast anywhere you find your podcast. It's doing really well. And not surprisingly, Aww. we can also find Aaron at Aaron Davis on Twitter, Threads, Instagram. You're actually Aaron Don Davis there. Oh, I know. You can't keep up with it, Kathy. I know. I can't even keep up with it. Are, are we even calling it Twitter anymore? I'm, I'm not on speaking terms with Elon Musk. He's <laughs> ruining neither. things. Thanks so Jeez. much. Thanks so much for this today, Aaron. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to talk to you the next time. Oh, love it, Kathy. And thank you so much. Miriam Koshiam is the director of digital product and the Nomi development lead at RBC. Miriam helps to build innovative digital banking capabilities that deliver greater value for RBC's clients. Good morning, Miriam. Thanks so much for being on our Take 5 with RBC interview this morning. Thank you so much for having me back on. This is a great topic. So artificial intelligence, and I understand that RBC conducted a survey of Canadians on their perceptions of artificial intelligence in managing their finances. There were some interesting findings. Could you share some of the highlights to our listeners? Yeah, so we conducted the survey to gauge how Canadians feel about AI, what they think of it. And some of what we learned was not a surprise. For example, younger Canadians are more receptive to AI with higher percentages acknowledging that it helps them in developing an easy financial routine. So they have a much more positive sentiment towards AI as a financial tool. You know, they understand that it's the work of AI that can remind them which bills to pay or predicts what you know, what's coming in and out of their account. It helps them stay ahead. It gives them a greater sense of control over their finances. So of those surveys, 71% of younger Canadians value the fact that AI helps them automate their savings, whereas only 28% of those 55 and older shared that same view. And, you know, younger Canadians are more receptive to AI, likely because they've grown up in the digital era and are generally more knowledgeable about how the technology works and how it can be helpful. They've used AI-enabled tools for years, and so they have a greater openness to using apps powered by that technology. And that includes helping them manage their personal finances or finding that AI is helpful in giving suggestions and recommendations. So this leads me to my next question. AI has been in the media headlines quite a bit this year with chat, GPT, and other emerging technologies becoming more and more common. Can you tell us about some of the misconceptions with AI for those who might be anxious about using it as a financial tool? Yes, absolutely. One of the biggest misconceptions that people have is that they aren't already using AI. The survey found that 76% of Canadians believe they don't use it in their daily lives. When the truth is that if you're streaming music or movies or TV shows, it's AI giving you those recommendations for what to watch or listen to next. It's AI that's also making those suggestions for words when you're sending text messages on your smartphone. And in banking, it's being used in our online and mobile applications to predict future cash flows and to provide financial insights and recommendations or even to automate savings. Uh, Another misconception is that AI can't help in managing finances. So about half of the Canadians surveyed found AI is a helpful tool in creating a financial routine, you know, paying their bills faster with reminders, predicting incoming and outgoing payments, finding and automating savings. However, the rest seem skeptical about its ability to help with money management. 
again, the reality is that AI can enhance financial management and decision-making through data analysis, predictive modeling, automation, and personalizing financial advice. Lastly, we also heard that AI can't increase the safety and security of financial data. So almost six in 10 respondents disagree that AI increases safety and security of data, when in reality, AI can enhance cybersecurity measures in the financial sector by you know, identifying suspicious activities, detecting fraud, predicting security threats. In other words, recognizing when something has strayed from the usual pattern. This is all good to know. Can you tell us a bit more about how RBC harnesses AI through Nomi? Yeah, so Nomi is a set of products in our digital banking platforms that we built with the objective of helping our clients manage their money simply and with confidence. And it uses AI to give clients a tailored experience of digital banking. So the financial insights are data-driven, and they only generate when they're relevant to the individual client, which allows you to feel like you're getting a personalized view of your finances. The insights are always about how you as an individual spend and save money. They bring to your attention the anomalies in your account, or they just draw your attention to things you've been waiting for, like your tax refund has come in or your child tax benefit has gone up this month. We've also used it to simplify things like budgets. You know, Nomi Budgets has made it so easy to set up a budget and stay on track that we have 1.9 million people actively budgeting with us. And while the insights and the budgets provide a line of sight into the past and the present, we also have Nomi Forecast, which is another one of our capabilities. And this one gives clients a view into the future. So it looks seven days ahead and gives them a view of their upcoming account activity. And, you know, Kathy, this is the next generation of cash flow forecasting. Thank you so much for this today, Miriam. I learned a lot. And if we want to learn more, of course, we can go to rbcroyalbank.com. Thanks again. Thank you. Conversation is a dialogue, not a monologue. That's why there are so few good conversations. Due to scarcity, two intelligent talkers seldom meet. Truman Capote. Well, two intelligent talkers meet every week ungracefully and frankly. Thanks to Lisa and Aaron for letting us into their world and for sharing a different part of it with me this week on GoToGrandma. Next week on GoToGrandma, R.H. Thompson is back on the show. You know him as Matthew Cuthbert on the hit CBC series, Anne with an E. But loyal listeners to this show will know that this is RH's third interview with me as we talk about his The World Remembers Project, which he launched in 2011 to make sure all who lost their lives in World War I are not forgotten. We talk about where the project is now and an exciting new development. Plus, while rations during the war were scarce, food has always been something that our ancestors foraged for. And the challenge of sustainable eating has always been a concern, but no more so than right now. In his new book, The Lost Supper, Searching for the Future of Food in the Flavors of the Past, author Terrace Gresco looks back at food sources in order to take us forward. It is a deep dive into the archaeology of taste, and he might even convince us to include insects in our future meal planning. And of course, our Take 5 with RBC interview series continues with financial facts you need to know. I know that you won't want to miss next week's episode, and I thank you once again for tuning in today. You've been listening to me, Kathy Buckworth, your go-to grandma. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Instagram, at Kathy Buckworth, or email her, kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.